0: Hi, this is Kalia.
1: And this is Chris. And this is It's, it's a, a Queer, queer thing.
0: thing. On this show, we focus on politics, civil rights, news, and entertainment.
1: And on this show, we have special guests and interviews focusing on issues relevant to the LGBTQ community.
0: So let's get to it. Mm-hmm
1: this may be our very last for this year of 2023. Happy Pride!
0: Happy Pride, Chris! (laughs) Although, come on, we feel
1: pride all year round. But this month, we're obligated to feel pride. Um, This month, we got
0: rainbows coming out of orifices and shooting off in all the directions. Rainbows
1: are coming out of our bidets, people. Let me just say that
0: right now. (laughs) rainbow bidets. There's a little
1: rainbow thing on the remote control, I'm just saying.
0: I just literally made a, one of those TikToks about the Rainbow Pride collection and TikTok in a Target the other day because – and I know part of it is that I waited until the end of the month because I have just been busy. But my goodness, what is left is is a lot of circus outfits that looked to me. They're very, very ugly.
1: Okay. So meaning what's left, does that mean the things they have is allowed to stay in the store? Or just they've sold so, out. Both. I mean, else? I
0: don't. Yes, probably a combination. But there are some crazy Oscar the Grouch cosplay and Pepto Bismol dresses. It is, it is harsh over there. It is, it is not great. Which Target did you go to? The one at uh, River Park.
1: River Park. Okay, maybe I'll yeah. check the other one out. I didn't. What, Oscar.
0: They the had Grouch? some cute other stuff. They had no. I'm just saying that it was like this bright green, oh, disgusting oh. color. Anyway, but they had like. Like they had a cute fanny pack, um, I liked, but I just didn't like it enough to spend money on it. And they had a couple other kind of like cutesy things, but as for the clothes, no, the clothes were sad and not good. Did they have that
1: um whatever that um tuck? bikini or tuck swimsuit thing? No,
0: you know, I have a personal philosophy about not going near the swimsuits in stores (laughs) after I've already purchased mine because then you just get buyer's remorse like constantly. So I bought my swimsuit in February like a normal person and then I've just avoided the section ever since
1: because you regret the one you bought and because there's a better one out there is that what you're saying
0: there's always like this feeling of oh i need a better swimsuit i mean at least for me oh like i want one longer i want one this i want one that oh here's if i buy it a size lower than i am and then I work out all summer. By the end of the summer, I'll be able to, it'll be my motivating swimsuit. And it's just not healthy for me. So, no, I buy oh, my swimsuit gosh. and then I've just committed and then I just stay out of that section. I'm so glad so, I, I don't passed
1: know. all that. Yeah. I just don't get in the pool. It's much easier.
0: <laughs> well, that's just crazy talk. I was in a pool today. <laughs> I love pools.
1: Yeah. I just, I can a, better.
0: I was in a pool today without a swimsuit because i didn't have my swimsuit with me but it was hot and i was skinny dipped no i just took my bra and shorts off and went into my tank and my undies and everybody at book club was okay with that thankfully so there you go this
1: was at a book club (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you lesbians i swear to god
0: (laughs) It's not that kind of book
1: club. Oh, no, it's not that kind of book club. You weren't reading the book that was from the movie book club, which was all about. Lesbian. No, but no, actually they're straight in that movie. I don't know what I'm talking about.
0: Yeah. 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 Anyways, this is a very long intro to say we have a very long interview with Peter. So maybe we should just let Peter start talking.
1: All right. So, so um, Peter Robertson, Dr. Peter Robertson from Fresno state who runs bulldog pride fund and the rainbow Alumnix club and all kinds of other things. Peter's been my personal friend for over 30 years And we wanted to talk to him this month to talk about what he's doing uh, in the LGBTQ plus community. So take it away, Peter.
0: Give us your your own personal elevator pitch introduction.
2: Hello, my name is Peter Robertson. My pronouns are he, him, his. And I'm currently the director of Alumni Connections with the Fresno State Alumni Association.
0: And I heard that you are now Dr. Peter, a relatively new addition to your title.
2: Yes. A year ago, I completed my fourth Fresno State degree. Uh, I am a transfer student from Fresno City College and uh, earned a Bachelor of Arts in 1992, a Master of Arts in 1995, an MBA in 2005, and a Doctor of Education in 2022. A year ago, May. it's It's gone fast. Thank you.
0: Wow. So you're really on this whole academic kick. Is there another degree coming in the next five, 10 years, 20 years down the road?
2: I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I jokingly told my spouse, uh, I, you know, I I think I want to go to law school. He goes, great, great. Where, where are you going (laughs) to (laughs) live? I want to move in with Chris and James. (laughs) (laughs) Where are you gonna
0: live? Oh, oh my goodness, that's too yeah. funny. Well, okay, so you're obviously very involved in the academic world, um, and I know one of your primary things, and we're gonna talk more about your doctorate in a minute, but um, I know one of your primary things, and what a lot of people in the community and out of the LGBT community might even know you for is the Bulldog Pride Fund. So can you? Oh gosh. Okay. Can you tell people? Can you tell us a little bit about? Oh
2: my gosh, I'd love to. Okay. Well. We started a, a scholarship fund in 2005 with two $50 donations. And our goal was to uh, support students at Fresno State. We have one simple mission to uh, provide an annuity that supports students attending Fresno State. And we started this fund with two dollars donations in 2005. And uh, today we've provided 96 scholarships valued at $185,000. And as of June of last year, total donations were $651,000, and our endowment balance was close to $700,000.
0: Wow. So who gets these scholarships from the foundation?
2: Great, great question. It's established under the auspices of the Fresno State Alumni Association. That's about a $7 million, $6.5 million scholarship endowment. And the Bulldog Pride Fund specifically supports, uh, we have 10 awards that we give. We have one that um, goes to the ASI President's Award, goes to the student elected president of the student body. We have one uh, in honor of Edna Garabedian Gar- in music for vocal performance. We have one in memory of Eartha Kitt in vocal performance. We have two in theater, One for Larry Newsom, who left a very uh, generous bequest. And we have one for Raymond Burr, whose uh, partner had roots here in in the Central Valley. And then we have one general award. We have one for the student that performs as timeout. Uh, We have one for the drum major of the marching band. And we have one for the president of United Student Pride. So total scholarships awarded for the last few years have been $2,000 scholarships, $10,000, $2,000 scholarships. But this next year, we're going to give out $3,000 scholarships. So we will, we will, we will award uh, $30,000. And then our, our the scholarship I'm really, really proud of um, is we've renamed um, our Humanics Award uh, in memory of Jeffrey Robinson. And so the inaugural Bulldog Pride Fund, Jeffrey Robinson Humanics Award will be announced this fall. And that student will receive a $3,000 scholarship. And we worked with um, Jeff Robinson's surviving spouse, his husband, Juan Bustamante, where we got permission to use his name and his likeness just as a way to honor um, the legacy that Jeffrey made here, the difference he made here in the Valley. So 20 years from now, 50 years from now, a hundred years from now, there'll be students at Fresno State uh that will be known as as Bulldog Pride for Jeffrey Robinson humanics scholars. So it's just a beautiful legacy to see his um, to see him live in the students of of today and of tomorrow.
1: What a way to to make people live on. What about Zoyers and Dell? Don't you have one for Zoyer as well?
2: You know what? That's a great question. The the Zoyers and Dell scholarship is um, in the College of Health and Human Services, and Zoyer, as you know, was a, uh, a very well-known two-time grad, Fresno, Fresno, uh, Fresno State two-time grad, transgender activist, social justice advocate, who passed away uh, uh, a couple years ago, and we worked with um, we worked on fundraising a, a scholarship for for him. You have to raise. Five thousand dollars to start a scholarship account with the university, and then you have to raise a total of twenty-five thousand within five years. And we raised thirty-seven thousand dollars in three months. And so this year, this current year, is the, the is the second Zoyers and Dell scholar, um, and there will be another scholar next fall. Will be the third scholar. So that's known as the Zoyers and Dell MSW Memorial Scholarship Fund. And that was established under the College of uh, Health and Human Services. It's open to all students to apply, um, but it's for grad all students in the MSW, Master's in Social Work program.
1: So we uh, we all, all of us obviously knew Zoya Zendel, and uh, it's great to hear that happening. And it's great to hear Jeff Robinson being honored because we do this show in honor of Jeff Robinson when he passed away. Peter, you were instrumental in getting me involved uh, with KFCF uh, 88.1 to do this show.
2: I talked to Rich Withers a, a little earlier and we had some conversations. And then I looked at I and you were there. And I said, oh my gosh, you know, sometimes you are you just have to seize the moment, right? Carpe diem. And I said, I could try to introduce each other, have lunch, let's have coffee. No, we're just gonna connect you right then and look look where we are today.
1: Yeah, Peter grabbed my hand and led me right over to Richard. And- I did. I said, yeah, I need you to, I need both of you to meet. <laughs> yeah, I thought he was asking me on a date because he said, Chris, come here. He grabbed my hand and led me through the crowd over. This was at Jeff's memorial in the tower. District. It was at Jeff's memorial. Yeah. You know, and I thought, yeah. you
2: know, do I, I, I don't want to be um, disrespectful to Jeff and his, and his memory, but at the same time, there's two people here I really need to connect. So. Yeah.
1: And I and I, I hear what you're saying, but it was so important that this show go on. We just when the last show we did live in the studio, Dennis made sure to tell us that it's the longest running uh, show on KFCF uh, yeah. 88.1. Yeah. So and we're just about to hit, Kaylee and I are just about to hit a year in doing it. So Good.
0: And I think that the legacy of Jeff was bringing community and that's literally what you did at his memorial service was bring together two members of a community and then continue the community. So I think Jeff would be thrilled that you did that.
2: Yeah, I think so too. We, we, I, I got asked to speak, um, at that, at that memorial. It was just, it was just beautiful. And it was there that I, I seen just the outpouring of love and affection um, in his memory. I thought, you know, this would be a good way um, to honor him with a scholarship. And so he attended Fresno State. Um, We were student activists in the in the in the in the late '80s. um, Did a lot of things together, and so it was a a perfect way, a, a perfect fit, I think for for his memory, as well as the university. He spoke at one of the rainbow graduation celebrations, was very, very involved in United Student Pride at the time called uh, the GLSA, Gay Lesbian Student Alliance, was very active in student government. Um, He really became uh, a leader among leaders in bridging um, the allies that weren't completely allies at that time, but became allies over time. Um, one of the things that that Jeff did was in May of nineteen eighty nine, I think is the year uh, a group of students were arrested um for civil disobedience. And I was at this event where um the police came and said, if you don't uh, if you don't leave, if you don't dis- disband, thank you, um, you will be arrested. And if you're arrested, you you may lose your financial your pell grant and i was going to school on financial with some financial support and that's when i said oh gosh i'm out <laughs> you know and i I've, I've always felt guilty about that because i wanted to stay but i also didn't want to be i didn't I, the financial burden of going to school was so great that was they they kind of held that against against students and i i don't know if that's the rule of the of the law now, but it was then. Um, but you know, Jeff stayed and he got arrested. And I think 25 students were arrested that day, including the former or past student body president or the current and future student body president at that time, um, was uh, Karen Karen uh Cogli Lopez and Sophia Umoja Nobel. They were both arrested and and so was Don Daves. Um three People of color, disruptive uh, student leaders.
1: What year was this, Peter? Nineteen uh, eighty, eighty nine, ninety, ninety
2: one. Um, and it was just fascinating. i I have I've only seen Karen Cogley twice in thirty years, and I've only seen Sophia Omojo Nobel maybe three times in thirty five years. And last uh, two weekends ago, I was in San Francisco with a group of students, uh, James and, and Chris were there, Chris and James were there, and we had a reception, and I got to see Don Daves Rogo, who was the first African-American male elected student body president, and he and I connected in San Francisco. He lives and works up there with the community college system, and it, we had the most wonderful time. Connected with him, introduced him to the Dean of the College of Social Science. He was a history major. And I have not seen him in more than 30 years. And it was like I saw him yesterday. It was so beautiful. Gave him a beautiful hug, embraced, and just had a moment of uh, reflection and um little, little triggering of trauma and some pain that we'd all gone through. The KKK being on campus, our booth being burned down, um, anti-gay. Uh, LGBTQ uh, hate, um, religious uh, preachers in each area, just all this trauma that um, I've hoped and tried to use for power to make me stronger, but even reflecting on these stories um, does bring a little bit of pain. Uh, and we cried and and we laughed again, you know. So it was, it was, it was, uh, it was beautiful. You know, and I don't know when I'll get to see him again, but it was beautiful to see him then, and just reflect on the power of community, the power of allyship. Um, you know, we can't ask others to be allies of us unless we're willing to be allies of others. He was, he was, he he was an ally to the LGBT community, and it was it was beautiful to see that allyship um, fostered at Fresno State 31 years ago.
1: And I think that when you're when you're in the midst of it, especially when you're young, you don't see it for what it is, but I think you're experiencing it now, Peter when you look back when you're older, you realize the impact things had and uh, the direction that your life went because of the things that happened at that time yeah
2: my 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 uh last <clears throat> last summer i had I had a one of my reached out to me on facebook um and we we talked about um Thanksgiving weekend of 1987, our booth, our little booth in the free speech area was burned, and so we had a a uh, a rally in the free speech area, and uh, he reached out to me and said, "I re- you know, I re- I remember you being there. You were always so kind and caring. Um, you never asked where I was coming from. You didn't ask, um, you know, my my sexual orientation. You were just always so warm." And I said it's i I didn't ask because I didn't care I was just glad you were there you know and he says I remember you you um gave a speech a speech in the free speech area and said something about um something and I said, oh I remember that that rally I remember that rally I remember who spoke I remember being there um and I said but but I didn't speak. I would have been too shy to speak. And he sends me a picture of me speaking, and then a clipping from the Collegian where I'm quoted speaking. And I thought, I said, "Oh my
1: God, documentation!" <laughs> documentation. I do remember the outfit I wore: <laughs>
2: black turtleneck with a herringbone jacket. But um, <laughs> what was what was so uh, incredibly beautiful but confusing for me at the time was I didn't remember speaking until I saw the picture and I didn't remember what I said until I read the article. And so last August, I'm connected with one of my mentors, Dr. Chris Clark, who's at the university of Helsinki. And I'm sharing this story with her. And she's, I said, I don't understand why I don't remember something like this, that, that happened. And she says, it's because it was painful and you've been blocking it out for 35 years. And I just had a moment at the bar at the annex kitchen crying into my Manhattan. <laughs> and it was so beautiful. It was so cleansing. It was it was like a therapeutic moment to just remember what I'd blocked away.
1: You know, I've I've had experiences like that. And you don't think you don't think it's as simple as I blocked it out because you don't think as a person that talks all the time and is and, and an activist, you don't think why would I block something out? But we are all humans at that level, emotional level, and there are things that you block out, and then years, decades later, you remember. Well,
2: my favorite thing I said, I agree with you. Um, there might be other things I blocked out, I don't know, but this that was something that I blocked out and I had blocked out. But I re- reading the the clipping of the collegian, it my speech said that that LGBTQ people. At that time, we said gay and lesbian people, but LGBTQ plus people, we are entitled to our pursuit of happiness. And I was so proud that somehow, in my little brain, I I, I found enough um, tenacity to quote the Declaration of Independence. You know, at such a young age, and I I still believe that it's our America too, right? And so I just thought,
0: oh. I'm, God, I almost sounded a little smart. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so I could go so many different directions from that, but I do want to ask about the the campus, the campus life and the changes that you've seen, you know, spending so much time at Fresno State. Oh
2: gosh. I really appreciate you asking about that. I'm gonna, I think two things that I was involved with, well, maybe three, was I was one of 14 founding members of United Student Pride in 1987. And then in 1990, I was one of two uh, co-founders of, of Fresno Real Pride with Ken Freeze. We were just students at Fresno State. And then um, the following year I worked with Jeff who started the Rainbow Pride Parade in the Tower District. And then fast forward to 2014 at Fresno State, we had the first rainbow graduation celebration. And um, the following year, we started uh, Rainbow Alumnix and Allies Club. And we use the word alumnix um, because it includes non-binary uh, people. Alumni is a Latin word um, that in- includes men and women um, only, male and female. And so we use alumnix. It's a bit um, disruptive of social norms. But we use that because it includes space for non-binary people. And that's very important to us. And so the campus has really grown. I'm really proud of the things that are happening. Um, we're not where we, we're so much better than we were yesterday, but our work's not done. I think we need to, I, I think it's, you know, there's still, we, we, we need to pause and reflect and appreciate where we are, but also work towards the future um, to be even better at doing what we do. I, I gave a presentation at Fresno State um, three or four weeks ago one of my favorite presentations with my number one thought partner on campus, Esteban Baraguerrero, who was with the Cross-Culture Gender Center, but now he's with Upward Bound. And we talked about campus climate and how we need to find leaders and allies in positions of power that will grant us the opportunities to become better than we know, we to become better and more inclusive and to uplift the campus climate for all. And um, in 2019, we asked for three things: we asked to have uh, to to fly the pride flag, we asked to have official Fresno State merchandise in the bookstore, we asked to have a pride night at a Fresno State athletics event. And Fresno State's a Division One NCAA Division One team. COVID happened in 2020, so in 2021, we flew the flight the pride flag for the first time. In 2022, we had merchandise at the Fresno State Kettle Bookstore. And in 2023, earlier this year, we had a pride night. And so one of the things that we talked about is is we need to be deliberate with what you ask for. You need to be intentional. You need to be direct. The pride flag took three years. Merchandise took four years. And a pride night took five years. It took leaders like Estevan, thought partners like me and our campus to be patient for these things to happen and, and having tenacity and um, commitment to, to seeing things through and, and just not giving up, you know. And I'm so proud of the university. We called out three people that helped make these things happen Um Our president, Solomon Sandoval, our vice president, Debbie Astone, our executive director, Jackie Glazner, and our director of athletics, uh, Terry Toomey. All of these thought partners on campus, all heterosexual, cisgender allies, allowed, not just allowed these things to happen, they uplifted the execution and planning and funding for these events to happen. It I cannot tell you how beautiful that is for me to reflect back on this journey that I've been a part of for 35 years to see the campus do these things because it's just like it's so beautiful. No, I just I'm just moved with joyful emotion.
1: Yeah, I think that's such an important point that a lot of times the younger generation doesn't understand. And I've spoken about this at various gatherings and rallies around town change does not happen overnight it takes time and you have to be in this for the long run because um, i think so many times now young people want the change to happen tomorrow and it doesn't necessarily happen tomorrow sometimes it takes a year two three four five twenty it takes a long time for it to happen and if you're in if you're in it for the long run you can make change happen
2: and if you watch glee you just need a song
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I think that's totally No, lot of I mean, have. you know, I mean a, a lot of
2: you know a lot of the Esteban and I talked about was was so beautiful uh because we used our lived experiences um and we 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 talked about um our passion for excellence and about not just not giving up. You know, even though it didn't happen this year maybe it'll happen next year. And and what was you know what we what we discussed as well is is allyship being authentic and sincere and that the the allyship is not performative i don't want i don't want to be i don't want i don't want to be felt uh, like like i'm a check mark on a list you know i want it to be intentional well planned well ex- executed and uh it it turned out beautifully you know, at our, at, our, at the first Pride flag raising, the mayor of our city came and spoke. And at the second one, uh, our Tyler Maxwell, president of the Fresno City Council, came and spoke. And that is so important because we need we need thought partners all across the city, all across the county, all across the state. But it's but it's so important to have elected officials that understand that hashtag one Fresno means all of Fresno. You know, one of the things that people say, not people, but some people, maybe some people will say, well, you flew the flag uh, in, in 2021, wasn't that enough? And it's like, no, we we want to do it every year. It's That's the point. There are so few symbols of of LGBTQ people and their allies and their families and those that love them in public spaces, and that's why... The raising the pride flag matters that's why you know people want to see reflections of themselves in the world in which they live and at the flag raising at fresno state in 2021 people are openly weeping because the symbol of themselves for the first time
1: yeah and and you i'm sure you know this peter but right now across the country there are i've read of at least three or four places where they are saying the pride flag will no longer fly uh, uh, at a government building. And they're saying that's and they're not only saying that the pride flag won't fly in order to pull that off. They're saying no flag except the American flag will fly. So while we have advanced all these years to have not just the American flag and the pride flag, but other flags. Now they're trying to cut in order to cut out the pride flag. And I believe this is strictly why they're doing it in order to cut out the pride flag. They're going to cut out everything except the American flag. So there's a backlash and there's a lot of backlash for a lot of things going on right now. I want you to talk though, about the rainbow pride, um, or rainbow graduation ceremony coming up. And um, yeah. And also kind of tell us when that's going to happen this year and kind of also, I'd like to talk about how some people are saying that rainbow uh, rainbow graduations as well as black graduations or Asian graduations are divisive instead of inclusive.
2: The class of 2023 is the 10th rainbow graduation celebration at Fresno State. And I'm just thrilled to, to let you know that um, I'm working with Rainbow Alumnus and Allies Club, and we are uh, raising funds for purchasing rainbow uh, regalia for students. That includes a rainbow tassel, a rainbow medal and a beautiful rainbow stole. And so it costs about 55 to $60 to outfit one student. And we've made a commitment to raise funds to support up to 86 students at graduation. And then um, we've already, our goal was $5,000. We just hit uh, $5,500 earlier this week. So extra monies used are used for things like the queer prom they had at the Smith Camp Alumni House last weekend and um, supporting other student initiatives on campus. And um, so it's coming along great. We, we're, we've got two weeks left of our fundraising campaign or maybe 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 one and a half, maybe 10 days. So 20th, maybe 10 days left, um, but it's been very, very successful. So I'm very proud of that. And then Rainbow Graduation Celebration is on Saturday, May 20th at Fresno State. It'll be in the Peters Educational uh, Building next to the uh, Save Mart Center. And they were just getting ready to announce our keynote speaker is um, an alum named uh, Luca Patrici, Patrici. And he just spoke at Tampa Pride last month. And so, or maybe earlier this month. And so he's gonna be the speaker at for Rainbow Graduation. He's a SmithCamp Family Honors College. He's a motivational speaker. Um,
0: And who who's it? Who's it for? How do you opt in? Do you just show up one day and say, hey, I'm queer? Or I mean,
2: you know what? That's a great question. It's open to uh, LGBTQ students and allies and friends. And so we welcome we welcome anyone and everyone. We outfit them and we outfit them in rainbows. Yeah, we outfit them (laughs) in rainbows. It's pretty it's pretty amazing. So I'm going to share with you. I did I, I, I did my doctoral dissertation on on allyship affiliations and donor motivations. And last last Saturday, this last Saturday, I submitted a paper to the American Educational Research Association. Eleven thousand people submitted. I was one of the people picked. This was a five day conference in Chicago. Fourteen thousand people, and I talked about why rainbow graduation is so important. But so I, I did, I, I interviewed 16 people. They were all cisgender, heterosexual people that had donated either Zoyers and Dell or Rainbow Graduation. And I asked, you know, why are you an ally to the LGBT community as a heterosexual cisgender person? Why are, why are you giving to, to LGBT who causes? And I had a, a beautiful, beautiful participant, Tomas, uh, who I'm gonna read you his quote. And this is his word speaking. And, he's, and we're talking about rainbow graduation and the box and that it has a medal and a stole and a tassel. And, and it's, just, it's just a box filled with rainbow love. So this is Thomas. What does that rainbow graduation box represent? I've had multiple students that I work with closely who've been given that box as a gift. They fight the institution every day they're here. Then that graduation box shows up. In that rainbow graduation box is their acceptance. And best of all, someone has gifted it to them. So that is why it's so important. Because you need to feel less than and disenfranchised and marginalized and minoritized and invisible and othered. And for one hour, your alma mater is not just going to welcome you, it's going to embrace you.
1: And that's why I asked the question before, Peter, I didn't want it to seem like it was a divisive question, but I asked it specifically because I heard recently on a local radio show that these kinds of celebrations, rainbow celebrations, uh, Asian celebrations, black celebrations, Hispanic celebrations were in fact divisive and not inclusive, and they never ever talked about why these Uh, or why these events happened in the first place. Um, So that's why I asked that question to let people know there is a reason these events happening and it's because of the disenfranchisement and the otherness of all our communities.
2: Yes, anyone that feels that these celebrations are unworthy need to go to one and see one firsthand. So I invite you to come on Saturday, May 20th to Rainbow Graduation Celebration. And I invite you to come to the State Mart Center on Saturday, May 20th for the 46th, 47th annual Chicano commencement where 15,000 families fill the arena and cheer on these first-generation graduates from all across the valley. It is the most spectacular event I've ever been to. I went to it last year. So anyone that thinks these events are unworthy, go to that and then and then see if your mind has changed because you will never see families. People bring 10, 15 members of their family to stand and cheer when they call your name and you walk across the stage. It's a fiesta. They have mariachi. They have dancers. They have music. It is the most stunning celebration. And the first year they got you know, 50 students. And now they're getting 1500 students.
0: You were just referencing your paper and that was definitely something we wanted to talk to you about the academic paper and my, what I have written here um, that it's called, we're here, but not queer, exploring LGBTQ plus allyship affiliations and motivations for giving within higher education. So tell us a little bit about why you were motivated to write that, what the response has been, if people can read it, is this somewhere that like, a lay person can get a hold of?
2: Okay, I'm going to tell you what I did, how I did it, and why I did it. I've been working in uh, advancement fundraising capacity for about the last 20 years. And I, in about the last 10 years, um, there's been a new uh, demographic, demographic population in fundraising, and that's been the LGBTQ community. The leading scholars in this field are Noah Dresner at Columbia University and Jason Garvey at the University of Vermont. So for the last 10 years, I'd been reading about LGBTQ philanthropy, the LGBTQ community as a demographic population from which you can raise funds from. And uh, a lot of that came out because of of marriage equality and people started seeing same-sex households giving amounts of money. Most of the research in that field has been done at quantitative research, which is more marketing research and looking to see the propensity of someone to give to a cause. The only the only giving you hear about are gifts at the high level, million dollars or more. And so that's planted a seed in me about 10 years ago to look at LGBTQ philanthropy and so and and, and that's where I was going with my dissertation research and I was going to explore, LGBTQ philanthropy at a state school in in Central California. When I worked on the Zoyers and Dell Scholarship Fund, we raised um, thirty-seven dollars, thirty-seven thousand dollars from ninety-nine people. And so, the ninety-nine people, I saw the list of donors. I excluded gifts from organizations, and we had eighty-five households. And of those eighty-five households, forty percent were heterosexual households. Four out of 10 donors giving to the Zoyers and Dell Scholarship Fund were heterosexual and cisgender. And that is when I pivoted my research from LGBTQ plus population to allies of the LGBTQ population. And so the work I did is known as emerging work. Um, it's a new demographic that no one has ever looked at before. And so I wanted to lean in with my lived experience living in Fresno. my friendships with 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 people like both of you, listening and learning from the people around me. And so I, my dissertation was on heterosexual and cisgender allyship affiliations to the LGBTQ community, number one. And number two, heterosexual and cisgender donor, donor motivations for giving to LGBTQ campus programs and student initiatives. And so I interviewed 16 people, I wrote 137 page dissertation and, and that was my work um, and that I completed in May. And so my dissertation chair and faculty mentor, uh, Dr. Jonathan Pryor says, okay, now you have to be published. I said, okay, I can do that. Um, and so I wrote a submission last summer to this AERA conference and asked if I could uh, either do a poster presentation, a roundtable, or be a speaker. And then my dissertation chair, Dr. Jonathan Pryor says, well, now you have to write a paper. I said, what? And I said, no, you're submitting a paper. This is an academic conference. So I spent Christmas break and the month of January condensing my 137-page dissertation to 44 pages. And that 44-page document is what I submitted at this conference. And so last Saturday, I submitted, I I gave a presentation and it was so beautiful because I I my topic, my paper was we're here but not queer. You know, for 30 years we've been saying we're here, we're queer, get used to it. Now we say we're here, we're queer, we're tired. <laughs> but for this paper, I said we're here but not queer. And and people like that title.
1: Sell a t-shirt, Peter. Sell a t-shirt.
0: Can I ask about the research? I'm curious if if the heterosexual cisgendered households, um, was there any part of the methodology where you, where they were connected to an LGBT person? Like, let's say m- my parents would be a heterosexual cisnormative family, but obviously they have me as a, their queer daughter. So they might donate because of me. Whereas, you know, I'm, so I'm just curious.
2: No, I'll tell you exactly. I'll tell you exactly what it was. I had, uh, I did 16 one hour interviews, uh, with 16 participants that had all given money to LGBT classes on campus. So it's in Dale Rainbow graduation. I did uh 256 pages of transcripts and I went through and started coding them. I coded, I did one round of coding by hand and then I did um two rounds with an online program called, called Delve. And I thought I was going to use deductive coding where I had I've done all this research and I thought I know what the codes are going to be and my themes. And after my first interview, I was completely wrong. And inductive coding means the themes come from my participants. My participants start sharing things that kind of bubbles to the top. And so with allyship affiliations, I asked Why are you an ally? And the number one reason people were allies is because they had a family member or close friend that was LGBTQ. And the secondary reason, they had an interest in social justice and equity for all. With donor motivations, the number one reason people gave, according to the people in my study, qualitative research, is the relationship and trust with the person asking for money was paramount. And the second was the cause itself. So the analogy I'm going to use is Chris Jarvis works for Chevrolet and I go buy my car from Chris at Chevrolet and two years from now he goes to Ford. I'm going to start driving a Ford because the Chevy or Ford is just a car, but my trust is with my, is with Chris, you know, and if I'm working at Fresno State, you'll trust me. But if I work at Ronald McDonald House or Make-A-Wish Foundation, you're going to trust me for working there.
1: Don't you think the foundation of all of this, Peter, is is being out?
2: Absolutely. More
1: of us who are out Absolutely. in the community, we affect more people, and then they then affect our community and back and forth.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. You know, being being out loud and proud is is part of it. You know, so that's what I did and and how I did it. What was so incredible if if I had if if Zoyers and Dell had not passed away. And if Kat, Dr. Cap Kat had not called and said we should start a scholarship, and I'm thinking, oh god, that's so much work. That changed that changed the trajectory of my research, you know. And and the last thing I did, I came up with my own um, theoretical framework that I'm calling allyship-based motivation. And basically, you can it's that that you can use. I can be an ally to the transgender community, the Black community, the Asian Pacific Islander community, the Indigenous community. The undocumented community, the unhoused community, the formerly incarcerated student community. I'm looking at it through the lens of Fresno State because that's my lived experience. But I, you know, I want if I want people to be an ally to me, I need to be an ally to them. And what does that mean? That means that I'm going to be authentic. I'm going to be sincere. I'm going to be mindful. I'm going to be respectful.
1: I think that's a line that many of our various communities have to learn to cross is allyship. We have to learn that just because, let's say I, as a cis white male, gets up and speak about women's rights and abortion doesn't mean that I'm stepping in and taking over the voices of women. We have to learn that we need to speak up for each other because that's how all civil rights have been granted in the past, not just the disenfranchised group themselves, but the allies that stand up for them and vote for them and speak for them. We have to stop thinking it's offensive for us to to come into a group that we're not technically a part of, and and we need to be able to support each other.
2: No, I agree. I agree. I I agree, Chris. But you know, we have to we have to listen and learn from others, and we have to lead with love. You know, so I have to ask myself, what am I coming there as an ally, or am I coming there to be performative? trust me I was coming as an ally yeah
1: I don't think most people come to be performative. there are those in the outlying group outlying area that sometimes tend to do that but I don't think most of us with with their activists or with a good heart or just we don't come there for that we come to support
0: that it's a valid point, and I think that virtue signaling is a very real problem in every community. And I think what we have to look at is more than just one action. So, Peter, you live the the life, you talk the talk, you walk the walk. But you know, if you were only showing up to a random thing once every seven years to be like, you know what I mean? That's a different kind of allyship. But I, one of our old old board members, not that she's old, but a former board member, because I know she listens. Um, Kate used to say in cultural competence that women didn't vote for women to get the right to vote. You need the people in power to support the people who are not in power. Like, Right,
1: of course.
0: Pride is coming up, and that is a great celebration for us in the queer community, but it's also a great place for allies to show up and show support. So, Peter, I know that you're active with Pride. Can you talk to us about, what? what are you emceeing again this year? What are you doing with Pride? I think so, you know...
2: I don't know what I'm doing, I'll be there. I, they they always hand me the mic, they always, they always hand me the mic. You know, last year, this, the first Pride Parade, I can tell you was in 1991, and there were, there were three grand marshals. There was Brooke, um, who was a member of the Imperial Dove Court. There was Dr. Sari DeWorkin, who was the advisor of um, GLSA, United Student Pride, and me. There was three of us, and this parade was over in probably ten minutes. Were you there? I mean, it was it was ridiculous. And so we're over by the DMV. We're getting in these cars. I'm on the back of this convertible, and we got all the way up to almost where International Furniture is before there was anybody on the street. And then and then we heard commotion, and sure enough, we get close to the Tower Theater, and in that parking lot now uh, it was was members of the KKK dressed in in full regalia um white hoods white robes and there were barricades around around them the police were not there to protect the gays from the kkk they were there to protect the kkk from the gays and i will never forget the dikes on bikes stopping in front and taunting them it was madness and i remember i was on the this car with sarah to work and I said, oh, I, I wish I had a camera to take a picture of this because, you know, this is before cell phones and the internet, this was 1991, June, 1991. Talking to Jeff Robinson, he, you know, he was one of the original, um, and Cindy Williams as well, organizers for this. And he, I remember when he called me, he said, I, we, you know, we the, the, the committee met and they want you to be the grand marshal of the pride parade. And I and I said when he says um, next week, and I thought oh okay, and then later I'm thinking I guess I'm on this the B or C list, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, I said yeah I'll do it, and I and I never looked back. And so the next year he asked me to be the MC. And and so every year I've been emceeing since since then,
0: I would like to reserve the right to bring you back in a year and talk about other stuff, because I I feel like there's because I there are things we didn't get to. But I also know that podcast people um, only listen for so long. So we want to we want to save we want to talk to you about the LGBT minor. We want to talk to you about the changes in the tower. We want to talk to you about the LGBT community. We want to talk politics. We want to talk the future. We want to talk about these things
2: absolutely you can reach me um on facebook at peter robertson 7 you can also reach me on linkedin and then also uh, bulldog pride fund is www.bulldogpride.org
1: all right peter we'll we'll let you go
0: peter has been your personal friend for years and years and years but as a younger person who I has knew not it!
1: There she goes. At least she waited till after the interview this time.
0: Yes. Um, I have been blessed to have met Peter through you a number of years ago, and we are friends now as well. And he is just a freaking gem. I'm so glad to know him, and he's very inspirational. I got a little choked up during that interview. I don't know if it came across or not, but I think if the thing like the rainbow – graduation had been a thing at the college that I went to it would have it would have really meant something to to some of us so i just think it's great i think the work that he's doing is amazing and fresno is really lucky to have leaders like peter and you yeah. and me yeah <laughs> not, not. yeah
1: well no you're right i mean all of us that are that do work in a community are valuable and have have merit but i will tell you that nobody that I know of works harder than Peter Robertson. He is out there every single day going to 8,000 events a day, um, promoting things, talking to people, sharing his experience. Um, he just did a, a paper on allies in the community as, as he talked about in the interview. Um, he has been working nonstop for as far as I know, as long as I've known him, which is 30 plus years. So, you know, um, Kudos to all of us that work in the community, but there are some of us that just, you know, excel. And Peter is one of those people.
0: He definitely, definitely is. And I would be remiss if I didn't say that one thing he does need to do, though, is he needs to come to a kickball game.
1: Oh, and what would he do? Would he do kickball or just comment like I do? Or what would he do?
0: (laughs) I'm not sure. Maybe we could get him in a cheerleading costume. What do you think?
1: Oh, I think that would be fairly easy, actually.
0: (laughs) But I had to mention kickball at least once. I know people listen for it. I just uh, did a shot
1: when you mentioned it. I'm just saying. We had
0: an episode recently when I didn't say it and people were like, Hey, (laughs) I'm
1: trying (laughs) to drink here. Mention kickball.
0: Exactly. Exactly. But no, we're really lucky to have Peter and I'm really glad that he's here for Fresno. So that was a great interview. I was really, and what a wonderful way to close out the month. You know, we, we started at the top of the month talking about, Pride, but talking about drag and talking about all sorts of things that affect our community. And this has been a very busy month for us you know, in terms of podcasts, in terms of pride. But I just think that Peter as the bookend here at the end is is just perfect. So, yeah, I was and really-
1: I, you know, Kaylee and I have worked very hard this month to get all this information out there. And we um, we probably won't work as hard next month. But let <laughs> <me> t- <laughs> it's been a really long month, but we're super happy and super energetic about bringing these people to you, to the public, so you can see everything that's going on in the community. We appreciate you listening in, and we so appreciate the people that have given us interviews this month, and we will plan to do this again next June, and we won't stop in between. We will do random interviews in between with uh, performers across the country that are facing discrimination and facing legislative actions that keep them from performing, and activists that are trying to do the work that we all need them to do. So,
0: Yes, and if you like what we do here, that's great. Please please like us on our social media. And if you really like what we're doing here, please share us or write a little review thing on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on, because those reviews and those ratings, especially the high ones, really help spread the word of mouth. And we would love to be able to reach into new demographics and kind of broaden our reach into the, not just the community here in Fresno, but across the state and etc etc so like us review us share us please keep listening of course you can email us at it's a queer thing t-h-a-n-g at gmail.com you can find us on facebook you can find us on instagram
1: remember that pride is not just in june pride goes out throughout the year. so please you guys pay attention to what's going on politically around you and in your communities speak up speak out stand up for who you are happy Pride. pride Kaya in the book club pool. Okay.
0: I had a tank top on.
1: Well, you were naked under it, though.
0: I had undies.
1: Oh, you kept your underwear on?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Undies and a tank top. I was fine. Well, I
1: that's just... the straight part of you. I mean, gay guys would have taken their underwear on.
0: I'm like, there's only two queer people in my book club. So it wasn't that vibe.
1: Let me write my own story, Kalia. Don't even... <laughs> <laughs>